morning, if you would, please turn your Bibles to the book of Mark. We're in Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 35. Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 35. Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 35. Word of God reads as follows. They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed, excuse me, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and were afraid to ask him. And they came to Capernaum, and went, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had agreed with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone would be first, he would be last of all and servant of all. Let's pray. Holy Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you that your word is blessed. And we ask God that you would teach us this truth. Lord, help us to remember that all we do is for your own glory. And help us to live our lives for your sake. In your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> uh, if you've been following us the past few weeks, we've been going through I Am a Church Member by Tom Rainer. Uh, the first week we talked about what it means to be a functioning church member. Uh, last week we talked about what it means to be a unifying church member. And this week, chapter three, we're going to take a look at uh, what it means to not let the church be about you. Amen. Uh, he says in chapter 3, I will not let my preferences, uh, I will not let my church be about my preferences. And so in, John, in Mark chapter 9, we see this idea here where Jesus is uh, just revealed himself, the Mount of Transfiguration, to a couple of his disciples. You see in verse 2 of chapter 9, Peter, James, and John were led to a high mountain by themselves. And the, the second person of the Trinity, uh, right in front of their eyes, transfigures and they see the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, uh, verse 12, and he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And now it is written, the son of God, the son of man, that he should suffer many, many things and be treated with contempt. But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written of him. Jesus goes on from there, uh, healing a young boy who had an unclean spirit. 
And in our passage of reading this morning, again, Jesus tells them that he's going to be put to death. Now, this is their best friend. This is their Lord and Savior. This is the one who said to each of them, follow me. And immediately they followed him. And you would think that when a friend shares something with you that uh, is troubling to him, you know, and he, and he wants to warn his friends and he says, look, guys, disciples, I'm going to be put to death soon. My time has come. You would think that they would say, Lord, please help us understand this because the dots aren't connecting. But we see in our text this morning that it, that isn't what the disciples were talking about. From the point that Jesus said that he was going to have to be killed by men, it says in verse 33, and they came to Capernaum. So they were traveling toward Capernaum and they get there. And Jesus asked them, what, did, what were you discussing on the way to Capernaum? They weren't going to tell him, but they had a, a debate. Many of you love debates. I love them too. But they had a debate amongst themselves. And the debate was what? Our text says, who would be the greatest? So they want to know who is going to be up there with the big shots. Not the son of man who is to be crucified, which is unfathomable, right? This is the son of man. This is the son of God, and he's going to be crucified. They don't set their minds to inquire about that, but they set their minds to inquire about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. What were you discussing on the way, verse 33? But they kept silence. The shame, the guilt, maybe. For on the way, they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. So it wasn't even just debating, right? Because we think when we're debating with one another, we're arguing. Uh, there's debate, and then there's arguing. And then there's fighting, right? That's when you go, dag. Somewhere along the line, we just missed it, right? But there's debating, there's arguing. And so they were kind of pushing each other and maybe bumming. Hey, no, I'm going to be the greatest. Don't, don't you know? You remember James. Uh, James and John are brothers and they're the son of Zebedee. So maybe they're starting to get into it and, 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 and starting to wield their force around and say, we're the sons of Zebedee. If anyone deserves to be on top, it should be us. And Peter's like, no, no, I'm Peter. You don't understand. I'm the one that's going to be on top. And back and forth, this, this clash of personalities, especially among men, right? Uh, this, this pushing and kicking and, and whatever goes on. And all the while, Jesus is telling them, you missed it. You don't understand. And so he ar they, they argued about who's going to be the greatest. And what does Jesus do? He sits down and calls the twelve and he says to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servants of all. And so we see in our text that Jesus is wanting to teach his disciples about what it means to be a servant, what it means to be a slave. Uh, and that's what we've been called to, brothers and sisters. We've been called to be slaves 
for Christ. We've been called to be um, owners of another and not of ourselves. Therefore, the one who owns us is the one who determines what it is he would have us to do. And as obedient slaves, we say, yes, Lord, whatever it is you have me to do, I will do for your sake. But here the disciples make it about themselves. They forget that in order to be great in the kingdom of God, you must be the least in the kingdom of God. In order for your uh, life to bring glory to God, you must die to your life so that Christ's life may be exalted in you. And unfortunately, in far too many churches, among far too many professing Christians, it isn't about Christ being exalted, it's about self being exalted. It's about what and how and when can I finally make a name for myself so people recognize who I am. And that's not Christianity. That's not the Bible. And that's not what it means to be a slave for Christ. This idea of being a servant is one who serves without necessarily having the office of a deacon. It's important. One who serves without necessarily having the office of a deacon. Why is that so important? Because in our minds, we work best when we know what our responsibilities are, right? And that's good. But we're so sinful that we won't work unless we have a position or a title placed over us. And so we won't do the work of a deacon because we haven't been ordained as deacons. We won't do the work of the ministry because we're not pastors, because we're not elders, because we're not uh, Bible students or whatever the case may be. But a servant is a servant, whether everyone knows or no one knows, because God knows. So everyone in this church, if you're a Christian, has been called to one ministry and one ministry primarily, and that is the ministry of a slave, the ministry of a servant. Now, we're servants to Jesus, we're servants to our God, but we're also servants to one another. We've been called to serve one another in the body of Christ. So a servant is one who serves without necessarily having the office of a deacon. Well, the disciples had the office. They were apostles. They were teachers. They were ordained and set apart for the teaching ministry in the church. But Jesus is telling his disciples I'm setting the example for you of what a servant looks like. Follow me and do the same thing so that those who follow you would do the same thing. Notice Jesus, when he came from heaven to earth, didn't come from heaven to earth and sit on the throne. Jesus is the one who should have been seated where Herod was seated because he's the king. But Jesus wasn't seated where Herod was seated. Jesus took on the form of a man and humbled himself to the point of death, which we'll look at in a moment in Philippians 2, and he became a servant to those who cannot save themselves. Where Herod was having people serve him, Jesus was serving his disciples as an example of how they ought to serve. 
So question, if our Lord and Savior could stoop down and wash feet, and we don't desire to wash feet, are we better than our Lord and Savior? Now, we would never say that in word, but unfortunately, we find ourselves acting this way indeed. And so we see if we're not careful, we can easily elevate or we can easily find ourselves serving others in the church only to the point of our church position or responsibilities. And if that were the case, then that would mean for those of you who were not deacons, you wouldn't have the responsibility to serve as a deacon because that's not your position. Let me read you a few quotes from Tom Rainey. He says this, Christians can sometimes act like those demanding children who want things their way. Temper tantrums in churches may not include church members lying on the floor, kicking and screaming, but some come close. <laughs> but the, we haven't had that yet, uh, that I know of. Uh, but the strange thing about church membership, and listen to this, is that you actually give up your preferences when you join. Don't get me wrong, he goes on to say, there may be much about your church that you like a lot, but this is the key here. But you are there to meet the needs of others. You are there to serve others. You are there to give. You are there to sacrifice. And he ends off with the question. Get the picture? So why are you here at Grace Fellowship Church? Why do you long and desire to be a member of our church? So that you can become a pastor? So that you can become a deacon? No. So that you can serve sacrificially for the glory of God. And it may be in the will and the design and the plan of God that you do become an elder and that you do become a deacon. But the servant of Christ says, whether or not I receive the position, I will do the duty for the glory of God. That's the key, brothers and sisters. And although this isn't a problem outright in our church, it's a problem in our hearts. When we want to be elevated and we want our preferences to trump other people's preferences, we make ourselves Lord and forget about who really is the Lord of the church. The church of God is not about our personal preferences. It's about bringing glory to God by submitting to the God-ordained leadership that he places over us and as we grow in our understanding of the word and look for opportunity to make others look better than ourselves by serving them with all our might. You see, when we come into the household of God, we are not to be thinking, how can I make myself look better? We need to be thinking, how can I serve my brother and sister so that they are more exalted than I am? Think about that. Because if we all thought that way, then none of us would be thinking puffed up, right? And this is something that we always need to check our hearts about in the house of God. Why am I here? I'm here to bring glory to God in esteeming my brother and sister higher than myself. And this brings glory to Christ. He goes on to say, Tom Rainer in his book, as a church member, my motivation should not be to get my preferences to the top of the list. 
I am supposed to be last, not first. I am supposed to be a servant instead of seeking to be served. Amen, Brother Rainer. Amen. We're seeking to be served. The only thing that comes to mind about this initially is we remember when we had our church sign out there. For those of you who don't know, that logo out there was designed by our brother Ben, uh, the Grace Fellowship logo. Brother Ben is the one who designed that. And he had different ideas and different formats. Brothers, this is, I tell you, if we didn't nip it in the bud, there would have been a church split over that time. Because some people don't like this style, other people don't like that style, some people prefer this style. And I'm in the corner thinking, just pick a sign. Just pick a logo. Does it matter? Can people read it? If they can read it, then it brings glory to God because they know where we're located. Amen. But brothers, this is what I'm telling you. There's some people that will just fight you tooth and nail because it's not the way they envision it to be. Now, granted, you may or may not like the sign. But the point being, it's not about whether you like the sign. Amen? Because there's a lot of things that other people don't like about what you do. But at the end of the day, can we honestly say that with all our might, we've done our best for the glory of Christ, and if so, hallelujah. This idea of being a servant and humbling ourselves and holding our tongue and praising God is something that we do not like by nature because we are fallen. This, uh, this word servant, to show you how important it is in the New Testament, how important it is, excuse me, in the New Testament, this word servant occurs 57 times in the New Testament. And the word serve occurs 58 times in the New Testament. So it's as if God is continually reminding us by his Holy Spirit, serve. Serve, serve, servant. Put your hand to the plow and serve, servant, which goes back to our first two messages, being a functioning church member. If we're going to be members of a church and we want to bring God the most glory, we ought to do what brings him glory in being functioning church members. And if we're going to be functioning church members, we ought to continue in bringing God glory by being unifying church members. And if we're going to be unifying church members, we ought to keep going along the line of bringing God glory by being individuals who seek to serve others and not make it about ourselves. This is the ABCs of Christianity that the Holy Spirit teaches you as soon as he saves you. And so you have to wonder when individuals don't get the lesson, have they ever been enrolled in the school? Because these are things that happen by default as the Spirit of God changes your heart from stone to a heart of flesh. And this is why church membership is so important. Because there are a lot, a lot of hearts of stones in the house of God where only a heart of flesh can bring glory to God. That's so important. Let me put that in a different way. There are a lot of unbelievers who have the rights of church members when church membership is reserved only for believers. 
And so where you see backbiting and fighting and arguing and quarreling and division and no heart's desire for reconciliation and forgiveness and growth and unifying, you find a church that isn't a church. When we were called into the family of God, brothers and sisters, we were called to the, earth, to the office of a servant. This is the office we were called to. So we see here in Mark 9, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, if any would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. The disciples were called to be set apart in their role of leadership and culturally, Armando mentioned this morning, the Israelites, they wanted a king, right? They didn't have, they, they didn't want God as their king. They wanted a different representative as their king. Well, in like manner, so did the disciples. The disciples are saying, we want to be like the world. We don't want to be like you've prescribed for us. And, 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 and how, can, how do we know that? Because the, the, the role of authority that the disciples, the, the disciples longed for and desired was the Roman Greco uh, 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 form of authority. You remember Jesus says that the Romans lorded over their subjects? That's, if it were the desires of the disciples, they would be lording it over the people. And Jesus tells his disciples, no, in the kingdom of God, it's the complete opposite. The one who is to be first is the one who is to be last. Jesus is crucified on the cross and they look at him and they mock him and they say, this is your king. Why? Because a king sits on the throne. They didn't see Jesus sitting on the throne, so they didn't think he was a king, but he was a king. And isn't it ironic that over Jesus' cross, they put king of the Jews. He's the king. And so the disciples needed to understand that you... Being a follower of Christ looks different than it would be to, be, uh, to not be a follower of Christ. In Jesus' day, the religious and political leaders taught that true leadership was oppressing others and lording their authority over others. But Christ-like leadership is being humble and childlike faith. Of being, of being like a child. And this is Jesus. He gives the example, verse 36. He took a child and put him in his hand and put him in his midst and said, and said to them, taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one such a child in my name receives me and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. And so we see this idea of what is a true servant? A true servant is one who seeks serve others, and not to have our own names exalted. Let me give you another illustration. <clears throat> in, in, in the New Testament times, they had slaves, uh, and there's different words and, and, and meanings depending on the context for the word servant and slave or bond servant. But there were uh, people who worked on the boats and they had, to, uh, they had paddles that they had to row on the boat. And, and, and the boat is moving in the direction of the desire of the one who commanded them. And so we're going to go to A. We're going to go here. We're going to go to Rome. 
The servant wasn't called to question the master of where we were going. His only responsibility was to keep rowing and keep rowing and keep rowing. And so we have this idea that things will be much better if people would finally listen to me and do what I'm calling them to do. Well, brothers and sisters, things would be much better if we all submitted to what God was calling us to do. That's when we're doing good as a church. That's when we're doing good as individual Christians. That's when we're growing is when it's becoming less about us and more about him. Tom Rainer goes on to say this, we will never find joy in church membership when we are constantly seeking things our way. But paradoxically, we will find the greatest joy when we choose to be least, or excuse me, choose, choose to be last. That's what Jesus meant when he said, the last will be first. True joy means giving up our rights and preferences and serving everyone else. And that's what church membership means as well. So, if you're not happy at Grace Fellowship Church, could it be that you're not serving enough? Brother when I would serve if you guys had more ministries. No, there's a lot of ministries that you would not serve. There is, brothers and sisters. And when we neglect to do the little things, the insignificant things, the dirty things, the behind-the-scenes things that no one else sees, then why in the world do we think we're capable of doing the big things that everyone sees? Think about that. We don't want to do the worst of jobs that prepare us for the best of jobs. So then why do we think we're ready to take on the best of jobs when we neglect the worst of jobs? Jesus is preparing the disciples to go out into all the world and make disciples of the nations, but first, wash each other's feet. And it isn't like you graduate from foot washing, right? You foot wash for the rest of your life so that when you get to the desired place that you wanted to be in God, you're still nothing but a servant. So important, brothers and sisters. In the book of Acts, Paul is speaking to the church and he's weeping for them his last days. And he says, there are people who are going to come in after I leave and they're like wolves. Right? These are people who want to force their authority on the church and they're going to mishandle the sheep. And I hate that for you guys. So I'm praying for you right now. They, they weren't people from among them. They were outsiders coming in with a different gospel. And so Jesus is, excuse me, Paul is reminding the elders, do what God has called you to do and protect the flock of God. So as your pastor, I'm serving you by preaching the word, by following up in conversation. Uh, by, by, by doing different things to try to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. 
and John and Armando in the same way. That, that, that's what we're called to do is to serve in that manner. But how you're called to serve may look different, but is nonetheless, uh, but, but is just as significant in the body of Christ. As the teachers and the preachers that God has ordained over you preach the word, you as the sheep are to hear the word of God and apply the word of God. And so we all have this God-given responsibility within the church of Christ. So what's the remedy, brothers and sisters, for this joy that we need, that we long for as Christians, as church members? This joy that we need and we desire, this true joy of giving up our rights and our preferences and serving one another in the body of Christ can only be found in a person. Jesus Christ. This can't be manufactured. Uh, this can't be self-produced. It's flesh. Uh, you know, think about, maybe we'll get there in a moment, but think about this idea. Why does Jesus put so much emphasis on serving? And for goodness sake, Lord, what does it have to do with reaching the nations? I just want to be used big for you, God. Why do I got to wash people's feet? That's, that's a stumbling block to what I really need to do for you. Brothers and sisters, Jesus says, the world will know that you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. You know you love someone when you wash their feet. Figuratively and metaphorically. You don't get down and scrub your enemy's feet. But you would give your life for a brother and a sister. And what a testimony that is to the watching world. Your neighbor knows that you don't have much money. Your neighbor knows that you don't have much to give. And yet they see you giving sacrificially to another brother or sister. Why in the world would you do that? The Great Commission. Right there. Now you can proclaim the gospel in your act of service for the benefit of someone else. Well, let me explain to you why I do what I do. Christ changed my heart. And he said if anyone is to follow him... He is to be a servant. And it is my duty as a servant to serve my brothers and sisters that are in need. And when God changes, when the wind blows in that direction, it is those things that individuals are captured by. I was talking to my wife on our way here and we were talking about what this looks like practically. Um, not to make church about our own preferences. And she helped me with a few things. Thinking practically, we're going to have a free yard sale here soon. And, you know, there may be some uh, desert, uh, interior designer-minded people here. It's not me. Maybe you. And as we get out there and we set the tables up and we put all the clothing on there, you don't really like the cloth that we're putting the clothes on. And so you're holding your tongue back. Because you know, I'm going to be a servant. It's not that big of a deal. 
but enough is enough now. That's not how you fold clothes if you want people to come to our church. So you raise to think about it. You want to be humble. I don't think we should do it that way. Brothers and sisters, for goodness sake, get over yourself. That's what we need to tell ourselves sometimes. Because it isn't as if those thoughts never come to mind. In fact, they come to mind more often than we'd like to agree. Why is Edwin wearing a jacket today? Don't he know preacher's supposed to wear a jacket? I'm not saying you think this. But these are things that people think. Where's his tie? Why does he wear his shoe? I wonder if his marriage is okay. And on and on and on and on. Brothers and sisters, we've got to check our hearts. Because although I'm joking in those analogies, in some places, that isn't a joke. It's reality. And if it's not uh, the jacket, then it's the children. If it's not the children, then it's the food. If it's not the food, then it's not the programs. If it's not the programs, then it's not the events. And on and on and on and on and on it goes. And it becomes less about Christ and more about self. And the more that's widespread in the church, the more the Spirit of God is leaving the building. <clears throat> so we need to see Christ afresh. We need to be more like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so that when these feelings and emotions rise up in our heart, we quickly remind ourselves of our big brother, Jesus Christ, who is our example. Who is our righteousness? Jesus lived his life focused on obeying his Father's will for the good of others. God, help me, Lord. It's not about me. It's about bringing glory to you, God, for the sake of others. Help me, God. I'm so wicked. It's an inward prayer. That's why you're folding clothes, amen? That's why, that, that, that's why a brother or a sister in the church says something that rubs you the wrong way. That's the kinds of prayer you lift up before the throne of grace. So we need to put on the mind of Christ. We need to be more like Christ. I'll reread this passage that Josh read this morning says this, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto the point of death, even death on the cross. Wherefore God also highly exalted him and gave him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen. This king who came from heaven to earth, it says, made himself of no reputation. 
What an example. What an example. By taking on the form of what? A prince? By taking on the form of a servant. It goes on to say that this king from heaven came to earth and humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. And what form of death? The most humiliating form of death, text says, death on the cross. So brothers and sisters, when it comes to our preferences in the church, that died when Christ died on our stead. That's connected to the old man. And we need to, as Colossians says, put off the old man and put on the new man. So not if, but when these thoughts arise in our hearts of wanting to have our way, when we think the church is more like Burger King than it is the church of God, right? Want it our way instead of his way. We need to repent. Now, that doesn't mean we can't have conversations with brothers and sisters. Why'd you do that? I didn't really understand. Ah, I would have done it this way. But at some point, we need to put it to an end and say, you know what? Cool. That's fine with me. That's all right. Because at the end of the day, we're not fighting one another. We're co-laborers with one another. Right? We think of uh, the verse in Ephesians 6 as doing warfare we think of that as sometimes being our brothers and sisters. So when we're offended, we want to put on the boxing gloves and do war. Brothers and sisters, we're not at war with each other. We're all adopted children of God if Christ is our Lord and Savior. There's one Father, one Lord, so let's serve him. And maybe uh, people recognize you as being the one that God used when it was really you by means of a brother that wasn't recognized. At the end of the day, in our minds and in our hearts, the question needs to be, not I, but Christ who lives in me. Christ was exalted. That's all that matters. Christ's name was elevated. That's all that matters. Christ's name is reigning high and his name is being proclaimed greater as a result of God using my brother or my sister. That's all that matters. And when that kind of thinking is widespread in the church, brothers and sisters, God will use his church to save his people. So Rainer, and, 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 and God is so big and so amazing that even when his church is in sin, he uses her to save his people. God is not dependent on you or me or any of us. If something happens to me and I can't be here, the church isn't going to die because I'm not here. If it did, then the church wasn't founded on Jesus Christ. Now, bad leadership shows its effect on the church. I'm not saying it doesn't. 
John can't be here, or Armando can't be here, or Jerry can't be here. If you can't be here, doesn't mean Christ isn't going to make a name for himself through the church. But while you're here, will you do all that you can for the glory of God? Will you be a functioning church member? Will you be a unifying church member? Will you be a church member that settles it in his mind once and for all that it's not about you, but it's about him? <coughs> and if so, Christ will not only do a great work in you, but he'll do a great work in this little building on the corner of Bonifay, Florida. Let me read you this closing third pledge of Tom Rainer at the end of this chapter. He says this, third pledge, I am a church member, and I pray this is our prayer. I will, not let my, I will not let my church be about my preferences and desires. That is self-serving. I am a member in this church to serve others and to serve Christ. My Savior went to a cross for me. I can deal with any inconveniences and matters that just aren't my preferences or style. So in closing, as we prepare our hearts to take the Lord's Supper, will you be a church member that puts your preferences and desires to the side for the good of your brother and sister at this church? Or will you be a church member that is insistent in having things done your way even if it's not God's way. How you answer that question and how you live out your faith in this area will determine the future of our church and your walk with the Lord. Let's close in a word of prayer and we're going to have a song that Brother Evan will lead us in. You can come up now, Evan. Uh, have Brother Evan lead us in a song or pray. And I'm going to ask, I forget who I wrote down to come up, but I'm going to ask uh, Brother Jerry and uh, Brother Ralph, can you come up as well, please, to partake in the Lord's Supper? And we'll have that after our song. Let's pray. Holy God, we are so weak. Lord, our hearts are an idol factory. Please forgive us all, God. We thank you, Lord, that your blood covers even these sins. The sins of the heart, Lord, that we have deep inside of us. Sins of the mind, sins of the actions, Lord. Just different things that we sin, areas that we sin in, God. Help us, God. God, we've been presented with the truth this morning. We pray that you would help us by your spirit. Examine ourselves to see if we are one of those people who are just bent on having things our way, even if it's not the best thing for the church of Christ. We repent of those sins, God. We ask for your help. Help us, Lord, to know what your word says and help us to do it for your glory. And where there are gray areas, God, may we function in the principles of doing all that we do, whether we eat, whether we drink, do all for the glory of God. We pray that we would esteem our brothers and our sisters higher than ourselves. We pray, God, that if we were to be the greatest 
in the kingdom, that we would be released in the kingdom. We ask, God, that you would produce this life-giving fruit in our lives so that as unbelievers watch us, they see that we have truly been born from above. We thank you, Lord, and ask that you would do this great work in our church. We pray, God, even now, that as we prepare to go out on Wednesday night, that you would prepare the hearts of people who we interact with, that they wouldn't resonate a prideful spirit in us, but that they would see people that have truly seen the face of Christ and are broken by his spirit. And Lord, where we are prideful and the unbeliever sees it, may we point them yet again to our Lord and Savior who dies even for those sins of pride. We praise you, God. Thank you that you said on the cross that it is finished. Lord, it is finished so we don't have to yield to the flesh. It is finished so we can walk by faith. It is finished so we can forgive. It is finished so we can be reconciled one to another. It is finished so we can endure all things for the sake of the cross. It is finished so we can die to self so that Christ is exalted. It is finished so that we can make your great name known right here in this community. It is finished, God, so we can forgive ourselves. Help us, Lord, in all these things. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.